0: This is Forensic Perspectives Podcast. We're bringing you immediate access to today's top accounting and legal experts. We cover various topics concerning forensic accounting, business valuation, economic damages, and litigation support. We chat with experts concerning business disputes, divorce, and economic damages. I'm your host, Mark Gottlieb. Welcome to Forensic Perspectives Podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Mark Gottlieb, and this is Forensic Perspectives. There have been several high-profile companies, especially those have, that have been relying on consumer spending, that have turned to bankruptcy in 2020. These include Neiman Marcus, J.C. JCPenney Hertz, just to name a few. The bankruptcy levels have been the worst since 2010. In fact, some estimates have been published that there's as many as 630 companies that have declared bankruptcy in 2020, and many more are expected in 2021. Many are blaming COVID and for this increase in bankruptcy, but there may be other issues that attribute to this increase. Today's guest is going to help us understand this a little bit and discuss some of the issues regarding bankruptcy due to COVID. Our guest is Andrew Silfan. Andrew is the chair of the Bankruptcy and Financial Restructuring Group at Arnett Fox LLP. He is also the managing partner of their New York office. Andrew, thank you for joining us today. Mark, thank you for having me. Great. So, um, Andy, there have been a lot of businesses that are struggling. And before we, before we start, what, what, is, what is the problem now with the economy? Is, is there one thing that you can point to or a few things that you can point to that has been adding to the strife of businesses now? Yeah, so I
1: think I would look at it the other way. The companies that are successful How are they riding through it? And I think it's those companies that approach the situation that is unprecedented, unprecedented with uncertainty and unknown going forward. And that is one, adapting, changing how the company functions and understanding how to continue the business through the pandemic. The other is liquidity, cash. I know you always hear this, cash is king, right? You're looking for a runway, right? You don't know how long you need a runway for But if you build up sufficient cash to have a runway until there's normalcy again, you have a greater likelihood of succeeding. Why companies are failing, it's different and it depends on the industries. Obviously, the impact of the pandemic on hospitality and restaurants is dramatic and and, and radical. But what's interesting, and I hate to start out by kind of going against what you initially said, it's interesting to look at the last year, right? Right large corporate filings were up 53 percent from the year before middle market and small companies were down 23 percent from the year before what everybody is seeing is the large companies have been filing over the past year and and it has the names the sexiness and people focus in on it but the middle market and the smaller market have not filed now that could be misleading because companies could be just shutting down and calling it a day like a restaurant. But uh, I, I think there are, are features in the pandemic that enable uh, mid market and small to ride it through so far.
0: You know, it's interesting to say that, Andrew. You know, when, when we were kids, our parents had an expression that they adopted when they were our age now. And, and th- that expression was what's good for General Motors is good for America. And when you go through, like, we're both in Manhattan, right? And you go down First Avenue, Second Avenue, Third Avenue, Lexington Avenue, Madison Avenue, there are many, many small businesses that are either closed permanently, closed temporarily, are abandoned, yet the stock market is at, at, at a tremendous level. So how how do we I know you're not an investment advisor, you're not an economist, but you're you're a restructuring expert. How do we equate the two? are there really are there really two different worlds? Or should we be having two different conversations, one about big companies and one about smaller companies? There's an absolute disconnect between the economy and the market.
1: and even though I'm a, just a lawyer at, or a bankruptcy infrastructure professional, it is clear that not only is the market volatile and no connection to anything that's going on, it definitely has no connection uh, to the business. And a great example to illustrate this is high yield bonds. And and you and I grew up at a time when high yield bonds were high yield. They yielded a real interest rate. High yields right now are at the lowest rate they've been for a very long time.
0: Listen, when we were kids, Andrew, I remember the the interest rates, the, the bonds were like 13%, 16% and right now high yield is from 3% to
1: to 6%. So if 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 I was advising or I was involved in a business, I would ignore the market. It is not telling you anything about your business or someone else's business. You can ask me why it looks like mid you know mid-sized companies and small companies are disappearing, but if 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 you really think about it, the steps have been taken to help them as much as as the larger companies and, and they've taken advantage of that, right? So you have lender flexibility, right? Any business that has a loan is in covenant default, right? If you're not operating, you've breached your covenant, right? Not to mention other financial covenants, but the lenders have been flexible and cooperative. You have government intervention, you have rent deferral, you have temporary freezes on evictions and foreclosures, and you have the ability to get liquidity and and use that cash as a runway while you're not operating. What you see is the large companies that have the ability to access tools, bankruptcy, finance, restructuring advisors, to make changes, to position themselves, to ride through this and to come out on the other side even stronger. So it's sort of, there's an inconsistency in the economy and and a, a, a complete lack of correlation between the market, the economy and, and business.
0: And, and Andy, I, I'm a I'm valuation expert and and I use data to help me make decisions about the value of the business, okay? Economists do the same thing. I Isn't this, is there some type of measurement or some type of tool that we can use to assess What's really going on? Should we look at bankruptcy filings in connection with, in relation to maybe unemployment rates or bankruptcy filings in connection with public debt or, or, or other types of, of references? There has to be, or maybe I'm wrong, but there has to be something that we can use to kind of use as a, as a, as a tool, as a, as a measurement tool to, to figure out where we really are. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a great challenge, and I I think
1: that folks should take a micro approach rather than a macro approach. Right? What is going on with my business? How can I improve my business? What steps can I take to restructure it? What steps can I take to ride through the pandemic? What steps can I take to have success and a viable entity after the the pandemic? And I'll and I'll. And I'll illustrate why bankruptcy is not a reflection of what's going on. Bankruptcy is a tool, right? And it's used by companies to do a lot of different things. It's a tool to sell a company. It's a tool to do a mergers and acquisition. It's a tool to get debt, new financing. It's a tool if you have public debt, you know, you need unanimity. You need all the holders to consent out of bankruptcy. In bankruptcy, you get the supermajority. So it's somewhat less. So it's a way of, 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 you know, involuntary refinancing when you can't do it out of bankruptcy you may have operational issues you may have the need to right size the balance sheet so bankruptcy is a tool it's not an indicator of anything in particular it, it is just people like to look at filings are up and 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 the market is up what does that mean how can i reconcile it i'm telling you it's irrelevant The best thing that an advisor could do, a lawyer or anyone is is tell their client, look at your business and get the right professionals now. And I don't mean to sound like an infomercial, but since nothing in history can teach anyone how to run through this and succeed, it's best to get your accountant, your financial advisor, your turnaround person, your restructuring lawyer in place to guide you and help you as best you can. Absent that, you have to look at it yourself and and really almost play war games in your business. And if the pandemic continues for six months, what does it look like? Pandemic continues for a year. What do I look like? Pandemic continues for two years. You know, what does it look like? Pandemic's over and Korea goes to war. What does it look like? Right? That's more relative and gives you a better way to respond to, to your business needs.
0: I want you to know that, that what you just said is probably w- one of the golden nuggets that our listeners and our viewers are going to get from our conversation, because I think the vast majority of people, both um, professionals and non-professionals, meaning that both you know accountants, lawyers, and then uh, uh, lay people, they they perceive that bankruptcy filings to be. A measurement tool and and you're saying the opposite, and, and of course you're you're the expert, right but but I'm sure you understand that that you know John Doe and Jane Doe watching television, watching the news, and seeing all these businesses filing for bankruptcy, you, you, you can you can understand why they perceive that to be a reflection on on the economy and being a poor economy. Yeah, I would look at it this way
1: right? It's not the problems that one should look at, it's whether there are solutions. And and, and that's what the government has been trying to do. Well, with- let's
0: talk about that for a second. So let's talk about some solutions for a second. So I, I guess in the early part of the, when the pandemic first started, uh, the, there was a, a, a lot of stress and strain and, and the government came out with it's the first of two PPP programs. And there was a lot of um, of a lot of noise on the news about how slow it came out, how the money didn't go to the right people. And then it, they, they, they finally got their act together. And there was a significant amount of money that came out um, for the PPP. We now, this past two or three weeks ago, we now know that the government has come out with a second, a second um, stage of PPP. There's also been money being dispersed from local municipalities, as well as the SBA has come out with these loans at 3% and change over 30 years uh, of of as much as $150,000 for businesses. So let's talk about how do these programs affect bankruptcy, bankruptcy filing, and if we could put on your restructuring hat, how is it going to help businesses that intend to stay in business reach a point in which they're recouped. Okay, so let's look at the legislative history. What what was PPP designed to do?
1: It was designed to keep employees in place through the pandemic, because what does the government care about? They care about the people having jobs. Why do they care about people having jobs? Because they're the people who vote, right? It's not, the PPP is not designed to save businesses or 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 make them viable it really is designed to keep uh, employees employed so what what you get when you apply for the ppp is you get two and a half times your monthly your monthly uh, payroll and then if you use 60% of that money to pay for employee employee type benefits it can be forgiven that's what it's designed to do it 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 whether it got to the right place or the wrong place or the right company is really irrelevant. It's an application that's given out, you know, through the SBA, through the banks that, that lend. Right. But, to, you know, it, the government is now looking at all this, right. Because people fill out applications and may have used the money incorrectly. And, and, and this is where people should be concerned because if there was something incorrect on the a- application, or it was used in, incorrectly, the government will de- deem it to be fraudulent and will investigate. And now you're, you're, you're dealing with the need to hire an accountant, a lawyer, to deal with an investigation. Whether that mistake was innocent or not, the government's gonna look at it. And obviously if it was not innocent, uh, it rises to another level. That's one, so the it shows you that the government was really caring about the employees, right? They're now looking at the at the companies that took it. The second part is, and at first in, in the first go around, uh, you had to attest that you were not a debtor in bankruptcy, otherwise you couldn't get access to PPP, which from a restructuring professional makes absolutely no sense. Then when they just redid it again, they said uh, Congress said that you could get the PPP uh, if you're a debtor in bankruptcy except the SBA has to say it's okay. And the SBA has said, no, it's not okay. They went the other way. So you can't, you still can't uh, get a PPP while you're a debtor. So it goes back to the original thought that I shared at the beginning, which is why do you see an uptick in large corporate filings and and, and a downtick in in, in middle market? It's in part because of the government response. It's in part because of the PPPs, uh, as well as lender, uh, flexibility, rent deferral, the governmental freeze on evictions and foreclosures. Uh, so people have liquidity and, uh, and are not spending it. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, other than businesses that shut down forever, you know,
0: people are in a world of temporary suspension. Do you think the government's going to come out with any other type of program to assist businesses?
1: You mean more additional? Yeah. I think the government has no choice because you, you, you think of it this way, and you ask me about indicators of, of trouble, loan defaults are the greatest indicator of, of, of stress, distressed or insolvency or bankruptcy. That would be a metric that I would watch and be very concerned about. You know, just intellectually, you have to think that almost every loan is in default because there's a covenant breach. Right. And the banks and the lenders and the private investors can't respond fast enough to amend loan documents to waive. You know, most loan documents say you have to operate continuously. Well, obviously, you're not
0: operating. So that's a breach. You know, it's interesting. We, we both read financial statements for a living. And I'm really concerned. About what the auditors are going to write this year. For their going concern paragraph in the footnotes of the financial statements.
1: Well, I could be the moderator for that question because I would ask you.
0: <laughs> I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. You know, there. You know, there are two. There are two. There are two paragraphs that are often discussed in the footnotes of of financial statements. One is the going concern paragraph, and one is subsequent events paragraph. I don't know how they're going to. I'm anxious to see. An audit come through for two thousand twenty, addressing those two those two issues. But let me let let me ask another question. Um, when when a client comes to you now, and they obviously are coming to you because they're thinking they have to restructure, or they or they're thinking that they may consider bankruptcy, is there a checklist that you go through with them to ask them? to try to assess where they are there are certain
1: basics right and and i i i prefer not to rely on the cfo or 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 the you know the people in the business i the first thing i say is do you have an accountant in place and if not you need one do you have a restructuring professional a turnaround a financial advisor and if not, whether it's mom and pop or a large company, that's the first thing, because I want someone who has the experience in numbers and restructuring to come in and take a look at the financial situation of, of, of the company. Once you do that, you can make an assessment of of what, what you need and, and how to approach it. Um, you know, a lot of this is really more business than it is financial, right? So what the large companies did is, and, and, and folks may remember this, is every company was drawing on its revolver fully, and even whether it needed or not, and just took the cash, and now they created a war chest. And that's the runway, and that's how they rode through, uh, or riding through, or trying to ride through, right? What, what, you had, what you can't deal with is defaulted debt, whether it's a loan, public debt, and that needs to be addressed, but to ha- you, to have a conversation because everything today is really a conversation. Finding common ground uh, is through negotiation because folks don't want to litigate. You can't really litigate; it's hard to get access to the courts. Right. And and the the lenders, the banks, uh, private equity, the public markets, the capital markets you know, they just can't respond to all of this. So folks are amending and waiving and extending and doing deals. And what I say to the clients is the accountant talks to the accountant, the financial advisor talks to the financial advisor, the lawyer talks to the lawyer, the investment banker talks to the investor. Everybody has their own language. Everybody talks, everybody expects to have the mirror image on the other side. That's the best thing that you can do. Obviously in a mom and pop, you wouldn't have an investment banker. And then and a lot of times an accountant or forensic advisor could... But, or an F.A. or, or a tournament professional could, could kind of play the same role, but they communicate to their counterpart. And, and today, you know, to bury your head in the sand is the worst thing you can
0: do. Do you expect smaller businesses to just give up? I think people are psychologically disheartened,
1: right? So, you know, what you think of mom and pop's restaurants, like one-off restaurants, it, it, it's hard, you know, they're going to be hard hit. So, you know, if you ask me the question, what industries have been affected? What industries are currently be affected? What industries do I think will be affected? We give a perspective. So before the pandemic, oil and gas exploration was stressed and distressed. Retail was stressed and distressed and leading the bankruptcies. That was only exacerbated by the pandemic, but they were they were distressed industries before. The pandemic has caused fitness and leisure, gyms, health clubs, similar type places, hospitality and hotels, restaurants, hotels, uh, cruise ships, airlines, all to become stressed, distressed, or insolvent. What's upcoming? Healthcare, uh, telecom. And then in the long term, what's coming? Real estate and education right? And, and you, I saw you made a face when I said education. You think about it, there are colleges closing through this pandemic. People just aren't focused on it because people just don't care. But the middle market colleges, the colleges with not the great reputation are the ones that are falling and failing. Because one, they don't have the, the economic base, to who's paying for that kind of education? And now it's remote. And real estate is being impacted by what you first said, which is there doesn't seem to be any tenants in Manhattan, right? right? And that's sort of delayed.
0: Well, I think I told you when we were preparing for our discussion, I was so glad that my two kids are done with school because it would be a very different experience this year than than last year, the year before. You know, it, it's, it's really, you know, I, I teach at Fordham Law School and we're we're teaching remotely through zoom just like we're, we're working in this in this podcast and so education is very very different and i and and i and i hear from my my friends who have kids going to school they're opting to go to either two-year schools or even state state uh, uh and city schools as opposed to the the private schools that were much more expensive but the kids wanted to go there for this, the life but let me ask you another question. Let's keep it on on, on bankruptcy. Um, can you explain to us what subchapter five is? Yeah, that's something
1: that people overlook because it, it, you know if you're not a bankruptcy professional, you may have not focused in on it. And subchapter five is part of chapter eleven, which is reorganization. But re- bankruptcy is not inexpensive, so uh, the government was very concerned that smaller businesses could not have access to chapter 11 restructuring. So they created subchapter five, which was if you were a company that had debt of less than 2.7 million, you could use subchapter five. What what Congress did when the pandemic came is they raised it to 7.5 million and and it will continue at 7.5 million through March 27th, unless it's extended And, and President Biden I'm so used to saying Vice President, President Biden uh, seems to indicate that he wants to not only extend the $7.5 million debt eligibility, but uh, increase it. So subchapter five eliminates creditors committees, eliminates a lot of the cumbersome processes of restructuring and streamline it. And it it, it has a subchapter five sort of financial person who overlooks the whole thing instead And it's designed uh, to help smaller companies restructure and restructure quickly and and have been utilized very well. And and my firm has represented numerous companies through Subchapter 5, including uh, domestic operations of foreign entities uh, who were just restructuring their US arm and and, and enabled them to do that. And, And for folks who are scratching their head How do you determine this eligibility? Well, it's unliquidated, uh, non-insider affiliate debt. So you don't count debt within the company structure. Uh, You don't you you may know rejection damages when a lease is breached. You don't count that. Uh, And and so it's 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 the debt. And you look at the debt. And you add up all the debt of the debtors. So if you're three entities, you file three debtors, it adds up to $7.5 million or less. You can access uh, Subchapter 5. And it's a powerful tool and a less expensive tool uh, for a smaller company. And, and, and everyone hopes that President Biden will not only extend it, but increase it. Because there's a big difference between an entity that has $2.75 million in debt and $7.5 you know, as the debt is defined.
0: What what other changes is the government or Congress doing that affect the bankruptcy code?
1: So, to look at, to understand the changes that were made, what had happened to the practice of bankruptcy uh, during the pandemic. So, what had happened was judges took the view that they were going to not do anything that put a company at risk, its operations at risk. and and took a real flexible, adaptive view on how to handle a case. And the biggest issue that faced these cases were uh, there was no generation of cash and no operations. How do you restructure something that has no cash and no operations? And then you had rent accruing, which for most entities, particularly retail, restaurants, is the biggest expense uh, at, at at the initial stages. So courts were taking different views on deferring rent, suspending cases, suspending the bankruptcy until the pandemic ended, uh, putting in orders that uh, had the debtors paid the minimum amount they can to ride through the pandemic. And it wasn't consistent, but it was, it was the bankruptcy court and the bankruptcy professionals at their best to adapt to a situation. So what did Congress do? They tried to get some uniformity in in going forward. So now uh, there's a 120 day deferral of rent possible for somebody who files now if they can show hardship by virtue of the pandemic, which is not a difficult thing to prove. So that's a that's a longer period of time that you can get uh, rent uh, deferral. The other thing is that. Uh, Congress wanted to encourage out-of-court rent deferral agreements. And and you know, you may, I know you're aware of this, that the worst thing that can happen to a landlord or a trade or a vendor is they provide compromises, they provide relief, and then they get sued for a preference or avoidance action. And they have to hire a forensic accountant and a lawyer to defend them from that. And Congress was acutely aware that uh, if, A landlord's not incentivized to provide relief if it knows it's going to be sued for a preference action, which is, you know, extraordinary payments on account of an old debt within 90 days before the filing. And that's a preference action. So what Congress did is said, if after March 13th, you amend your lease or enter a forbearance agreement that provides rent deferral rent relief, you, landlord, will not be sued for a preference action. So that's Congress addressing uh, the other is uh, generally uh, before uh, the debtor had 120 days, plus it could get another 90, which if I did my math right, 210, right, you're an accountant, uh, to assume or reject a lease, right? In bankruptcy, you can get out of a lease or you can assume it. Congress extended that to 210 plus 90, which is uh, 300, right? 300 days. So they <laughs> extended that, uh, This is why I hire you. Uh, (laughs) you It reminds me, I I was once doing a cross-examination of uh, of an accountant, and I said, I have four questions. And I went, question one, question two, question four. The witness said to me, what happened to question three? I said, that's why you were hired as an accountant, and that's why I'm a lawyer. (laughs) So that was another change that Congress made. But I will say this. That if you're a lawyer who has experienced bankruptcy, but you're not a bankruptcy professional or accountant or, or, or some other advisor, it, it's different now. It, it's adapted to uh, the pandemic.
0: So I'm, I'm reading a news article on, on the internet the other day. And they're talking about the pandemic and how it's affecting uh, multiple industries you had mentioned before, the hospitality and the travel industry, and the article said that there has been such a strain in Italy that they wouldn't economists in Italy wouldn't be surprised if Italy, the country, went bankrupt. Did you see that at all? no but it sounds like something that's plausible <laughs> okay but my point my question to you is do you see municipalities communities cities states maybe even countries going bankrupt and and could that bankruptcy be i guess tied to the pandemic yes so
1: what is the tragic outcome of the pandemic from an economic perspective. Obviously, the loss of life is is the worst aspect of of the pandemic. But, you know, we we talked about all this government relief and and the government's failing. You know, everyone's aware that uh, there are budget deficits because of the lack of taxation. Uh, Our children, our children's children are going to be paying for all this. Right. Uh, The government just can't print money. So if you ask me this question under President Trump, I would say, You were likely going to have a rash of chapter nine, which is uh, the bankruptcy for municipalities or restructuring of municipalities outside of bankruptcy. Uh, You would have a rash because these municipalities have debt obligations that they will default on and and a tax base that can't support it. Uh, Chapter nine is tougher. There are requirements and there's constitutional requirements. So even if you need it, you may not get the consent. But it it is regonomics in reverse. I mean, you could have, you could still have. But I think under President Biden, people are more comfortable that he will, you know, the and it's a Democratic Congress uh, will bail out municipalities and and bail out uh, states. But you could still see uh, municipalities, you know, filing. Uh,
0: you know, the the result of those bailouts. Aside from the fact that our children and our children's children and maybe even further would be responsible for that debt. Do, do, you see, do you see the economy collapsing in some sort? Do you see do you see a massive recession? Do you see inflation? Do you see both? What 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 do you what do you think is gonna happen? That that I can't imagine that they're just gonna print money, like you said, right? and then everything's going to be fine for, and we won't pay the piper for years to come. I, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be a more immediate effect on the economy once we get to a point in which there's been decisions on bailouts, there's been the decisions on, 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 on how large and small businesses are going to proceed what's going to happen with unemployment what's going to happen with interest rates what what do you think what do you think's going to be the the result yeah. i i you know when when i talk to clients i say we now have
1: the three u's unprecedented uncertainty unknown right people could predict but it, it 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 is really based on no assumptions or anything in history uh so it's really Un, un, unreliable, right? What do we know? We know that government has been keeping interest rates low and interest rates were low before the pandemic, right? We 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 know that. We know that uh, the pandemic, we don't know when the pandemic's going to end, right? And we don't know if the new viruses are affected by the, the, the you know, the vaccine or that the pandemic is going to continue or there's going to be a different pandemic, Uh, No one knows how the population is going to behave, right? You know, industrial psychologists and sociologists are are saying different things, right? There's some who say it's going to be the roaring 20s when this all ends and everybody's going to go out and eat and party and go on vacations and drink and spend money, spend money and spend money, which is good for an economy. Uh, But, you know, we don't know. Will people social again? Will people be connected Will people go to the movies? Will people eat at restaurants? Will people go on cruises? You know, will people go back to the office, right? Some businesses could continue to operate remotely. Some businesses will be a boom to suburbs, right? If you can now, you know, doctors and healthcare and other businesses are moving to where the people live. But not all businesses could, ad- you know, adapt and exist in satellite offices. There, there, there's just too much, too much uncertainty, uh, what I think the bankruptcy and restructuring community as a whole believe that filings, bankruptcy filings will be elevated in 2021, with an explosion in 2022, and maybe a recovery starting in
0: 2023. You're, That's you're all reading, worlds. You're reading my mind because my next question was going to ask you, give us the gossip. Who's going to file for bankruptcy next? You you have to think right. this is what you, listen, I know you're doing this since you're a kid bankruptcy right you 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 are the you are absolutely an authority on this topic you know the community you know the environment you know the industry who's filing for bankruptcy next
1: well i, I think there's certainty that retailers will continue to file right um that's going to happen uh i think the government will do its best to have the cruise ship industry and the airline industry continue. Uh, You know, healthcare, there's uncertainty. Uh, Fitness and leisure is already going through it, right? So, you know, you had Gold's Gym and you had other gyms, you know, you're gonna have Equinox coming. Uh, You know, it's just gonna be a continuation. What's gonna be new is real estate and education. I I think that you haven't seen yet. you can look at it the other way, too. Who has done well, right? Who has done well? So, FedEx, tell so who's done FedEx, well? FedEx, UPS, Walmart, Amazon. And why have they done well? Because they have adapted. They changed. They have the great ability to respond to the pandemic and the changes
0: and, and, and succeed. Well, and Andrew, was it really that they changed or that was their platform already in place to address the needs due to the pandemic. I think they just had a culture of, Amazon has a
1: culture of creating and adapting and providing what is needed at the time uh, that it makes the, the changes. You know, you're looking at it this way, right? Uh, the, the, the vaccine has been a mess, right? And, and, and in this country, but it hasn't been in Israel, right? And you think about it, why? And, and the difference is israel since the, the day it came into existence has been a culture of community and and community movement and and a collective culture of responding right they all had to respond to to wars and invasions and terrorism and and it was very easy for them to come out with a plan uh that uh that resp- that put the vaccine out there our country, our government is archaic, our systems in our country, you know, our government is archaic and it's been madness.
0: Maybe we should all like move to a kibbutz. Because,
1: <laughs> you know, I, I heard a speaker say yesterday, you know, if you gave the vaccine to FedEx and UPS, we would all have it already. Because uh-huh. and, Amazon distributed it. Yeah. All right, so in, 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 in closer... it, It's hard for me to predict, right? It, it, because we just don't know when the pandemic's ending. We don't know if there's gonna be a new pandemic. We don't know what consumers and individuals, how their behavior is gonna change. What history does teach us, right? If you look at polio and you look at uh, the Spanish flu, once it ended, people's behavior for the most part went back to what it was. There were scientific advances, advances, cultural advances, but people's behavior reverted back. Is that gonna happen here? Or are people gonna change? Or be forever changed. You know those things. You know we just, we just, we just don't know.
0: Andrew, you are terrific. I really appreciate coming in, coming on, and and, and being part of our podcast. You know the, the audience should know that that I know Andrew, and I know each other since elementary school. And uh, we used to pretend that we were Paul McCartney and John Lennon at his at his parents' house um, when when we were kids. And, you know, now you're the managing partner of Arnett Fox in New York City, the New York office and chair of the Bankruptcy and Financial restructuring Group. I am um, I am actually thrilled that you agreed to be on my podcast. It was an honor to have you. you know,
1: it was my pleasure. And, and I enjoy I've always enjoyed speaking to you, going all the ways back to your parents' business when you took me there on a on, on a Sunday. And, and you know, and if you look at it, we should end this on an upbeat note. Right. If you look at our lives and how much has changed. Uh, it is radically changed. And, and, you know, we just don't know what the next day will bring, but it's all all been positive. And, and the thing I look at that kind of keeps this all in perspective is from the time polio came into existence to the time it was cured or or, or you know, it was written out of society was over 50 years. The time between this virus starting and the vaccine was six months. So scientific advances have been absolutely tremendous. So there's no reason to believe that, that we can't get out of all this. It's going to be hard, but what you can say to your clients and and the lawyers that are listening to this is inactivity is the worst thing that you can do. You know, you, you gotta have strategic planning, strategic action, for your clients with the right advisors and, and taking the right steps if you wanna be viable and survive. And, and, and there's gonna be tremendous opportunities and not fighting short trading so that American Airlines goes up twice or, or uh, uh, the game shop, right? The market has nothing to do with reality.
0: Right. Andrew, thank you so much. Um, I hope you and your wife and the girls are great. Stay healthy. And I'll speak to you soon, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's it for now. We'll speak to you all in the next episode. Thank you for joining us.